0: That, <clears throat> that picture of the Wright's children is, I think about how old they were when I first went to Palms, maybe a little younger than that, but not much different than that, which means I'm really old. And Ray and Linda are joining us. You didn't tell us you were going to join us, Ray and Linda. <laughs> okay, so uh, Matthew just dropped down to the bottom corner here from the top. Um, that the subject tonight is elders and spiritual gifts. It was either at the last men's meeting or the men's meetings before that Jeff brought up that he had handed out a spiritual gifts questionnaire. So my question off the top is, what is your understanding regarding spiritual gifts? Jeff, did you teach on it for a while?
1: Not really, I, um, I referred to it and I offered the, the uh, spiritual gifts test I did read through Romans twelve one through 8, and um, made some just very uh, quick comments about the gifts, but I, we did not study each of the gifts. And so, um, but I did make the comment that I thought those spiritual gifts in Romans 12 were the primary gifts of the Spirit in the local church setting.
0: Okay. I think... Uh... I think some of the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, there's three great passages on gifts and a fourth if you count Peter. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. Romans 12, I think our gifts are very important gifts for the church. I think some of the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 are true, but are still inactive are still active and important for the church. I think some of them are sign gifts that we don't have anymore. There has to be some distinguishing about which ones are signed gifts and which ones are not and then in Ephesians 4 I think we have an ec- more of an explanation on how the gifts work so um if we were to go over I, I want to read one verse from um, 1 Corinthians 14 and then I want to look at 1 Corinthians 12 and then I want to look at Ephesians 4 just a little bit the first one is um, gifts are given for the edification of the church and 1 Corinthians 14 26 says how has it been, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, have a doctrine, have a tongue, have a revelation, have an interpretation, but all things be done into edifying. And basically the theme of 1 Corinthians 14 is that the gifts are given for edification. And that if someone uses a tongue for a selfish reason or for, or it doesn't edify, then it's really not a gift to be used. And, and so if you read 1 Corinthians 14 carefully, that's the idea there. The second one is gifts are given to all, that all might profit. First Corinthians 12, um, 7, and the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So gifts are given so that all might profit. And then let's go to Ephesians 4 and just look at that um, for a few minutes before we get into this. And, I, and I will, I'll give you my viewpoint of gifts. My, my viewpoint is probably different than some you've heard. So I will give you my viewpoint and gifts. The, the idea in Ephesians 4 is that the ascended Christ, not unlike David when he ascended his throne, gave gifts unto the people. And the gifts here are not the individual gifts we see listed in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12, but rather they're gifted men. And so we see that and he, in verse 11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor-teachers. Um, the pastor is the word to shepherd, and teacher is the word to teach. Some see that as a single gift. Some see that as two different gifts. And then he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So not gifted men were given to the church for this purpose, but all gifts are basically given that purpose. For for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the, medici- uh, of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man, in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And when I my understanding of gifts is, I believe that this is a very key verse in the idea of gifts. I believe that each of the gifts is a manifestation of the Spirit. They're endowed at new birth they can be developed or stirred up and i believe that they they are unique to each person to some degree and that it's an area that we are more like christ because of our giftedness and the people that we're dealing with and so i see the purpose of you repeat that yes I believe the, the gifts are in areas that we end up to be more like Christ than, the, than, than those who don't have that gift. And so I, I have to explain. The idea of the gift is to bring us, it, it bring us in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The ultimate area of gift is to make us more like Christ. One of the things that we can tend to do, and First and, and, um, Corinthians 12 points this out, is that if someone has a gift differing than us, we tend to push them away or discount their gift as being insignificant. And we'll read that passage later. But it, it's the idea that if I'm the eye, I have no use of any of the or, other organs in the body. And so if, let me use an illustration. If, if my gift is exhortation, and I believe it is, I tend to exhort and hold people accountable and push them to, to reach their limits and make sure that they're becoming more like Christ. And I, and, I, and I set that as a standard and I push for that standard. Sometimes though, that lacks an understanding of compassion and mercy And someone who has a has a gift of compassion or mercy, can come along to besides me. Now at that point I have a choice. He can say, I think you're being too harsh. I think you need to take this into consideration. I think there's a better approach to this. And I can say, no, sorry, I know what I'm doing. I don't need your input. I don't need what you have to offer. Or I can say to myself, you know, that's an area he's more like Christ than I am. He's more compassionate. He's more ready to show mercy than I am. That's something I need to learn from Him. I need to grow in that area and learn from Him what He has to teach me. As I learn from Him what He has to teach me, I can be more like Christ. We tend to have this picture of what a spiritual person is, and ultimately, we're measuring everyone against ourselves. The only person that we can possibly measure ourselves against is Christ, And there's a lot of blind spots and a lot of places I fall short. The Lord I'm thankful for has brought people into my life that I think are gifted in certain areas with some of the spiritual gifts from from Romans 12 that have taught me how to be better or more like Christ. If you go on to read the passage. till we all come into the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God in perfect manner and measure the Statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth and love may grow up into him and all things which is ahead, even Christ, from which whom the body, whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and in the measure of every part, make an increase of the body unto the end and find self of love. It's important that I recognize in each member of the body something that's more like Christ in them than what I am and learn from them and learn from them. And I believe that spiritual gifts are a special endowment of the spirit that makes us more like Christ in a certain area. It's debatable. It's my own conclusion, but I feel pretty strongly about it. And in my life, I've seen how that works. And so it's important for me to see people who are different than me, who have other ideas than I do, so I can learn from them. I have to learn. And, and if you go to, let's go to Romans. Um, let's go to Romans 12 just for a second. And look, look at some of that passage. with verse six having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us where the prophecy let us prophesy according to the portion of faith so um he says we each have gifts differing according to the grace so the holy spirit has placed in the body different gifts with different people so that we might function as a single unit in in and develop into the fullness of the stature of christ the first one he lists is prophecy. you can't prophesy without faith of ministry, let us wait upon our ministry. Ministry is serving. If you have a gift of serving, there's some people have a tremendous gift of serving, in my opinion, and they demonstrate that by setting an example of what it means to serve. It might not be teachers, it might not be exhorters, it might not be rulers, but they have a tremendous gift of serving. However, it says that they need to wait on on serving or wait on the on the serving. And what happens sometimes is someone who has a gift of serving and they have this really huge desire to serve, they don't like to be served. And so he's telling them that they need to be patient when others are serving them. And so I can learn from someone who has a gift of serving how to better serve the body, how to better work in serving the body. The next one is, and he that teaches on teaching. One of the big issues that some teachers have is they don't like to be taught. They're not teachable. And so one of the dangers with the gift of teaching is not being teachable. I know it all. I have all the facts. I'm not open to new ideas. I already know it. Don't confuse me. I already know what I believe. And those are arrogant teachers in my opinion, but they're very hard to deal with once they're set in their mind. And so the person with the gift of teaching must must wait on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. When you're an exhorter, it's very hard to be exhorted. Ex- it is very hard to be told you're wrong by another exhorter. Or he that giveth, let him give it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, uh, someone who who is a giver of mercy, or someone who shows mercy, one of the things is they transfer the person's Sadness and their struggle onto themselves, and they become downcast or downhearted because of the person they're willing, they're working with, and the struggle that they're going through. So I'm suggesting you that that it's important that you show mercy, but you do it with cheerfulness. And as as uh, Jeff said, I do think these are spiritual gifts given to the body to increase the body, to edify the body, to make us more like Christ. And I think these are very important gifts in the, in the body. And I think that we all need to recognize, though, that if we have these gifts, not to isolate ourselves, not to reject others with the same gift, and not to stand out, as First Corinthians 12 points out, that I'm the I, I have no need of you. And, and he says the lesser gifts are actually the more important. So those who show mercy and serve, in my imagination or in my understanding, are more important in many ways than those who have the gift of teaching or ruling or exhortation or prophecy or one of those gifts. That's 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 a three-session lesson on the spiritual gifts in uh, 15 minutes. So um, that's really a really quick overview. If you'll if if you'll have that. So um, with that being said, is there feedback or questions that you have? Because maybe that's the first time you've heard some of that before. All right, because some of this lesson, I'm going to sort of base on that idea. So the first question that I asked was, since an elder must be apt to teach, does that mean an elder must have the gift of teaching? Can you repeat the question for me, Clay? All right, the first question is, and and matt sent the questions out i'm sorry they went out late i'm trying to get them to matt earlier but um hopefully we'll get them to you we'll get them to you earlier so that you can have them to to look at and to think about so that you don't have them just the day before but since an elder an elder must be apt to teach does this mean that an elder must have the gift of teaching
2: and that was my fault i'll get them out earlier next week sorry guys
0: um i
3: I don't think an elder has to have the gift of teaching as as a public kind of teacher. I think he needs to have the kind of teaching as to a one-on-one, be it counseling, be it doctrine, be it w- whatever the need is. But I don't think he needs to be a public teacher per se.
0: Okay. So apt to teach. So if I'm if I'm hearing what you say. Apt to teach and the gift of teaching are two separate and distinct things. I believe to that to be so, yes. Okay. Anybody? Else?
2: I would agree with that also.
0: Yeah. All right. So what Dave said. One of one of the verses that helps support that, that area is first um, Timothy five. And it, and, it, and it says, let elders that rule well be counted doub- worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the world at word and doctrine. So um, it, it indicates that there are some who are more gifted in the area of word and doctrine. And because they labor in that area particularly, and usually it's because they're gifted in that area, that they're worthy of a double honor. So I would suggest to you that there might be elders that have the gift of teaching, but the gift of teaching is not required. Especially the gift of teaching, if it includes being able to speak and teach to an, to a group, to a larger group. So I would say the answer is yes. There's a difference between. There's a difference between. The gift and being apt to teach. All right. So the, the second question, I'm watching to see Can if like. I it may add something enough. to that, Clay? What?
4: Can I add something to that? Yes, Steve. I, I don't think every teacher is an elder either.
0: Yeah. Well, and, oh, and that's, that's an excellent point. Having the gift does not make you an elder.
4: Right.
0: Yeah. And one of the sad parts about our modern day church is they hire pastors based upon gift and rarely based upon their, uh, uh, their age or the fact that they could be an elder and many churches, if you have a senior pastor, they just consider them automatically, to be the number one elder, and that's that's once again. And and so, if an elder ha- if if a person has a gift of teaching, that does not make them an elder. As we talked about, there's a whole different set of qualifications. If you go through the qualifications, none of them have to do anything with gift. I mean, we spent quite a bit of time going over qualifications. None of them have anything to gift. But never does Paul say you must be gifted in this area. You must be gifted as an exhorter. You must be gifted as a ruler. You must, gift doesn't play in. I think gifts play in, but gifts are not part of what plays into the qualification. So, um, and, and where gifts play in is the next question. Does every elder have at least one gift? Every Christian has at least one gift. All right. So it makes sense that if every Christian has at least one gift, every (laughs) elder then must also have one gift, right? Yep. And and I couldn't agree more with that. We could debate if there some people have multiple gifts, and I think I've met one or two who I think have multiple gifts, but um, I know for sure everyone has one. And I think there's two important things since everyone has one. is number one, uh, we're gonna get on because that's like the next question almost.
1: Clay, um, hey, um, on my spiritual gifts test, it's really a, quite a simple test. And um, if everybody responds accurately from a zero, one, two, or a three, um, you're going to have usually one that's right around nine almost. That would tend to be your main gift, but you could have some that are seven, maybe even eight. So I have one gift that I'm a, I'm a nine on, but I do rate high on two other areas. I, um, so I'm involved in those things, but I would think my, my primary gift is the one where I have a nine on my test. And and so, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's just an excellent little exercise. Uh I had a number of people who took it. I wish there would have been more, but they didn't but nevertheless it's a it's just a very
0: helpful can, little can test. you can you send it to me i think so yeah yeah i have i have four i have four spiritual gift tests, one or two I like a little better than the other two, but send it me, and I, maybe I'll add it to my yeah reservoir of spiritual gifts test okay you
2: send it over to me as well if you want that would be nice
1: now who was that?
2: Danny.
1: Oh, Danny. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I I think Matt the free sent them out. I didn't know who he all sent them to. So I will send one to clay and one to Danny and Danny. I imagine I can find your email on tonight's lessons and stuff. Okay.
0: Okay. I noticed uh, Scott Robertson's up in Northern California having a family vacation. Yes. And I don't know where Matthew, uh, Matt, uh, Hang on, it will come to me. Vanderhart is what? Vanderhart. Vanderhart is tonight.
1: Camping. He he needed to get out of the heat. He told his son he's got he's probably up on the mountains somewhere. I thought the farmer
0: I thought farmers weren't bothered by the heat.
1: Oh, (laughs) he was he was describing it and uh
0: (laughs) fun, fun, fun. it got it got really hot here. It's dry
3: heat. It's lovely.
0: It was at really this time, everybody is bothered by the heat. Yeah, well, here it was really hot. It was like, oh, like seventy nine here on, on Tuesday. Oh, get out! have the fans <laughs> on and everything.
4: Hey, Clay, I thought if I could just give you one verse that kind of fits in with the idea of an elder being apt to teach, and it was given by uh, the Apostle Paul to the elders at Ephesus. Okay. He said uh, in Acts 20, verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So there you have that thought of feeding, giving them the word. So it could either be, you know, public or it could be private either way.
0: We, we um, spent a lot of time there and in 1 Peter 5 where he mentions feeding the flock um, as, a, as one of the tasks of a shepherd um, before you joined us. but yes oh, that's right Oh that's all right. We need to review that because those are really important and that's what there's what the idea of shepherding comes from is care, feed and watering of the flock and tending the flock. So it's feeding and tending the flock is where the whole idea of shepherding comes from. And, and that's where, um, you know, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, Peter says, and it really means to tend or to feed. And so um, we, we looked at the end of John there where the Lord tells Peter to feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. So that, that's as part of a task of an elder. And so it's definitely the work of an elder. So um, does, any, does, any, does any one elder have all the needed gifts? i doubt it okay so so a good verse for that is is first corinthians 12 29 and 30 are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers are all workers of the mi- 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 um workers of miracles have all the gifts of healing do all speak of tongues do all interpret and the answer is no no one person has all the gifts as jeff i think rightly said you might be very strong in one area and be fairly strong in one or two other areas, but there's no one who has all the gifts. Um, There and so there should be a variety of gifts among the elders as there are a variety of gifts among the flock. So So the next question is why is it important for elders to recognize their own gifts as well as the gifts of their fellow elders? Now if we weren't talking about elders, we'd say why is it important for the flock to recognize their own gifts as well as the gift of others? The elders should recognize the gifts of the of the of the flock, but we're discussing gifts and elders right now. And so the question is, why is it important for elders to recognize the gifts of their fellow elders.
3: So that they can work in unison better. Uh, The strongest uh, strongest or the weakest uh, chain is the weakest link, you know, is is the strength. you know, if you have a situation or, or something needs to be done, you would you would want the one with the greatest expertise or knowledge in that area to uh, I don't want to use the word control, but it would be something along that line.
0: And, and here's how at least in my experience has worked out. There's some elders who don't really recognize the gift of their fellow elders. In fact, it's not even something that crosses their mind or they really don't understand gift, period. At least they certainly don't understand it the way I understand it. So someone sees something in the assembly and they have a concern about it and they, go, and they, 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 might, be, they might be someone who's involved in shepherding or, or and, and have a real past, pastor's heart or shepherd's heart. They go into a family, there's some marriage situations there and they come back to the elders and they go, I think we should have some teaching on family and, and marriage and when the elder says no i don't think now i don't i don't see why we need that so you know he might be the teacher uh-huh. no we need to keep teaching to this book or we need to teach more doctrine or we need to teach more of this or you know we need to teach about the second coming or you know and so someone comes in from their perspective from their gifts motivation that they see a need and they bring it back to the elders and the person who's Who's the teacher who has a gift of the really gift of teaching who does maybe some of the most or some of the teaching in the assembly shoots the idea down because he's got locked in his mind, we need to teach doctrine. Um. If, if, if an elder. Um, doesn't have the gift of pastoring or, or shepherding per se. And he's not a good counselor. It's a total disaster when every elder wants to in, inject themselves into every counseling situation. And I've been there and done that. And it's a, it's, it's a hold up your hand and say, stop, don't help me. So you're in a counseling situation. One of the things you do when you counsel is you ask a question and then you wait patiently for the answer. And if you have an elder who doesn't know how to do that, then they jump in and put words in the person's mouth. They become uncomfortable with the silence and they'll jump in and put words in someone's mouth and they'll answer for them. And that counseling session goes downhill real fast from there. If you put words in people's mouths, they'll just assent to those words. You never find out what's the basis. You never find out what's really bothering them. You never... But there's also like, if you're the exhorter, it, it sometimes, I know I've been in elder groups and I've always the one that has to go talk to the problem child. They never, they never feel comfortable going and talking to a problem. They go, can you go talk to them and address this problem with them? I said, why me? Why don't we all go? Why don't two or three of us go? Why do I always have to be the one to be the bearer of bad news? Or why do I always, always have to be the bad, bad guy? And um, once again, it's, it's because I don't think I think they don't recognize gift and they want and they shy away from responsibility and taking their gift and, and doing what they're supposed to be doing it. Um, there's, there's two gifts that I want to talk about. One in, first, in Romans 12 and one's in 1 Corinthians um, 14. One's a gift of ruling and we haven't talked a lot about that. And then in 1 in, in Corinthians 12 in the King James, it calls it government. In other translation, it calls it administration. So if an elder has a gift of ruling or administration, he might have a good way to get something done. He might know a way to keep things decently in order. He might have a suggestion that would be a good way of doing it because that's the area he's gifted in. And yet, if the elders and elders don't recognize that gift in him, they might ignore that or think, no, I, we don't want to do it that way. And they don't, they don't realize that there's value in his suggestion. So we go back to the illustration in 1 Corinthians 12, where it says, I have no need of you. You're, you're not the I, so I have no need of you. Once again, um, getting back a little bit to this bull elder idea or this elder, if he doesn't see it, it doesn't exist. If he doesn't see the need, there is no need. If he doesn't experience for himself, it's not true. So part of that is trusting your fellow elders, part of that's recognizing, gifting your fellow elders. So let's look at this ruleth, ruling um, here in Romans 12, he that ruleth with diligence, which we read earlier, Ruleth here in the Greek as it is, stand before or hence to lead. This is a word used for the way a man rules his family. It's the same word. We've looked at that word when we talked about authority of elders in the assembly. It's meaning standing out and being an example and leading forth. And so if someone in the elders meeting is a natural leader, or he has this gift of, of leading, and he says, brothers, I, I see a vision. I see this. I think this is the direction we have to go. And someone else says, no, that's not. Yeah, I don't see it. But they don't recognize that he's, the, he's that he's that guy who's been gifted in stepping out and others leading. Or they might go jealous if they don't recognize that gift and think, oh, he always wants to push himself ahead. Not that he would be the key component, but that he's got this idea. Governments um, in, in, or translated administrations in the Greek has an idea to guide. It's a nautical term meaning to pilot or stir basically with the idea of manning the helm or stirring the course. And it has the idea of doing it from the back. So ruling is from the front, administration's from the back. The one who makes sure that, that everything's in order to make, the one to make sure there's enough hymn books ordered for the, for the assembly. The one to make sure that, that other young men are being included in the ministry. The one who, who has a better understanding of, of, of how to bring things together and make them happen. One of the the errors in the New Testament is, or in in an assembly that at least I've been in is that the leaders tend to get busy and start overlooking others in the assembly who either have gift or have ability or could be encouraged. And so it's good to have someone who is a little bit behind the scenes saying, brothers, I think we need to encourage this brother. I think we should ask this brother to speak. I think we need to look at this brother for that task.
4: And Clay, I think that uh, this all comes back as well to building uh, the concept of a team working together and everyone on the team has a role to play. And obviously the quarterback is going to be better at throwing passes than uh, the linebacker.
0: So when I, I'm very involved in, in baseball. So one of the things with baseball is, you, you know, when you watch the key ball kids play, the ball goes into play and you have 12 kids chasing the ball or six kids or how many kids you have on the field, they all chase the ball. They all are going after the ball. As they get a little bit older, though, and they start forming positions, the shortstop knows that when the ball's hit the right field, it doesn't help the team for him to run out to right field to try to field it. And, and that's, I think that's the point um, at First Corinthians twelve fourteen, but He uses the illustration of the body, but it's the same type of illustration. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not the, the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? But if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where are the smelling? But now God has set the members, every one of them in the bodies that has pleased him. If they were all one member, where where were the body? It's important that no one elder ever say, I don't see it from your point of view, and therefore your point of view is not valid. But it's partly gift, recognizing gift in others, it's partly understanding. And so if you think, if someone, and and once it goes back to the whole of choosing elders that have humility, but that's important. then far too often, I've heard elders say, Well, so-and-so sort of wanted to be an elder, but we weren't sure we could work with him, so we chose someone we could work with. And often what that means is we chose someone who has a gift like ours, or we chose someone who sees things like we see things. We chose someone who would be in agreement with us when we decided to do something and wouldn't, wouldn't challenge us or point out a different way of doing it. Because a lot of times, if someone has a very different gift from yours, they see things very differently, and if they point that out, you feel challenged. If someone someone has a gift of mercy and they feel you're being too harsh in your judgment, you're being too harsh in the way you handle it, they are not considering people's needs and they point that out to you. I've heard people actually get upset that they're being reminded that they need, that there needs to be another way of looking at it. So just in general, There needs to be um, a really understanding that the spirit is leading every elder due to his gift, and it should be and it should be perceived that the spirit is leading him. My my fear is, especially in the assemblies, is we t- talk a lot about the leading of the spirit, but we rarely put that leading of the spirit into practice. That I really don't believe the spirit is leading you that's and that's where dictators come in and that's where people who are are rulers that want their way and only their way that's where people have do's and don'ts and they they have a lot of do's and don'ts because they don't want anybody else to they want to tell you what to do rather than let the spirit lead you into the truth or lead you into what to do And and if that's the atmosphere in an assembly, it spills over into the elders. So the body functions best when we allow the gifts of others to have an influence on us. And only as we do that will we become more like the Lord Jesus. And it's only as I allow people who have different gifts than mine, it's only as I allow myself to be taught by someone who has a gift of teaching See, only as I, I, I allow myself to be taught how to serve by someone who has a gift of serving, it's only as I allow myself to show mercy from someone who has a gift of mercy, and it's only as I'm allowed myself to be ruled by someone who has a gift of ruling, someone else might have the gift of administration. I can learn and I can become more like Christ in those areas because the ultimate goal is to be like Christ and, 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 and have perfection. All right, that was a lot of talk, so I will, um, before we go to the final question, I'll just ask, uh, so this question is, why is it important for elders to recognize their own gifts as well as the gifts of their elders, as well as the gifts of the assembly, so any other comments? Danny's talking, but his mic's not on, so
2: well it's just so that the body can function as it should as well as it can and it goes the same for the leadership as well so that every aspect of leadership is functioning and so that right each leader is different they have different gifts and because of the different gifts that's what makes them stronger to lead the assembly
0: right and and if the elder's so I think the question, and I, and I really didn't address this in my comments about the question, why is it important for the elders to recognize their own gifts as well as the gifts in the elders is because it has a carry-through effect to the assembly. So if the elders are willing to recognize a gift of their fellow elders, that whole way of doing business or that whole way of operating spreads from them to the others in the assembly because then they're more likely, if they recognize the gifts in each other, they're more likely to recognize the gifts. In my experience in the assembly, the gift of teaching is often recognized. Sometimes it's not, and some people are trying to be teachers who probably aren't gifted, but mostly if someone has a gift of teaching, it's recognized. If you have a gift of exhorting, sometimes that one's recognized. <coughs> but if you have a gift of ruling or administrations or, or mercy or or. or or um, those, they often go unrecognized because they're not the gift that I have. Because most, uh, the majority of elders either have a gift of teaching or exhortation or something along those lines because they're public figures. They do a lot of teaching publicly. They have a lot of public comments. They're usually not particularly behind the scenes type people. So you get enough of those and they're usually the ones that people say, well, he's... He should be an elder because he does a lot of teaching, but it's once again that's not a requirement to be an elder, and, and being a teacher alone shouldn't make you an elder. And too often, I think in the assemblies, if that becomes a de facto: if you're a good teacher, you should be an elder. We have and,
1: a, I'm sorry. Cut back and jump in. We yeah. have, uh, I gave this test to. Uh, I was on an elder team. There were seven or eight of us, <laughs> and I, I, I when I first got there. I gave him this test and asked him to take it <laughs> and uh, explained a lot of the things you're saying that we need to understand where each one of us are gifted and where we can be strong for the, the assembly. And so I gave it, I gave it to to these guys and the oldest elder, uh, I won't mention his name, he's still alive. He's <laughs> he he gave himself a three on every question so that he had nines, right? Write down the whole list of those seven gifts, and I said to him, "Brother, you did not understand the test, you know." And I said, "Because sometimes a zero is just as valid as a three or a two or a one. It's going to break things down for you." And 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 these men couldn't see the gifts of this and others, and and the man that would pretty much have been. You know, well, I hate to use the phrase, the bull elder, but I've never heard that before, but that's probably, he was probably the closest to it. Um, The first week I was there, uh, we heard uh, one of the ladies in the church was in the hospital, she just had an operation. And so we're standing around after church and I said to him, let's make a visit, let's go see her. And he, he finally came out, he had never made a hospital visit. And uh, very how he ever had made a home visit. He was just comfortable in the boardroom, you know, and it's just, um, I, I think the spiritual gifts test should be given to every elder team. It should be discussed. It should be um, applied to the common knowledge of everybody in the room. And that helps you, as has been said tonight, function as a team. It helps you to understand where some of these, your brothers are at and the things that they should be doing in the local church. I just wanted to share that. So.
0: I, well, I, I I'll share, I'll share a follow-up story is that I'm not very good in the hospital room. I struggle for years for hospital visits because my natural reaction is to read, read the scriptures to them and say, this light affliction is but for a moment and you soon have eternal weight of glory and don't, don't worry about this temporary setback you're going through. Well, um, my cousin had had uh, had colon terminal colon cancer, and he went to a Christian um, psychologist, and the Christian psychologist said, "Well, you're going to heaven as a Christian. Why are you Why are you stressing about dying?" Well, the gift of mercy, the gift of exhortation, that's your answer. Mm. But the Bible says to so weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who w- rejoice. That answer is not weeping with the person. So well, I good. had to get alongside someone who had, I believe had the gift of mercy and learn from them. When you go to a hospital room, what do you do? What do you say? I sit there and hold their hand for 20 minutes before I say a word. Hmm. That would never have dawned on me. Yeah. I sit there and pray with them before we even start talking. We might read a hymn or two, and then we might read a portion of scripture. But I never tell them, I just try to encourage them the whole time I'm there. Well, you know what? That would probably have never ever occurred to me. And I, had to, and I had to say, well, no wonder I'm so uncomfortable. I've never known what to do because that's, that does not come naturally to me.
1: That's why I was re- trying to take people with me to, to teach them. Uh, you know, it says in James 5, if anybody among you sick, let them call for the elders of the church and let them come. And um, I don't, if you have a large elder group, I don't think you have to have seven or eight guys in the room, but you should have a, a number of guys who come.
0: At least two or three, right?
1: Yeah. And just to be able to show that you love this person who's had the operation or they've got cancer or something else. And my wife yeah. had an emergency appendectomy in our ministry in our city. And I was really, really impressed that two or three of our deacons came. <laughs> And prayed with her, you know, and I think that's, uh, that was also a very good thing.
0: And so on that type of visit, if you recognize that one of your elders has a real gift in the area of mercy, you would defer to him to sort of lead the way and be the spokesman in some respects. You wouldn't want the exhorter to be the spokesman, per se. You really wouldn't want the teacher particularly to be the exhorter. But you definitely would want to leave the person who has a gift of mercy to lead. The problem is, is as Jeff may said, and I use the term bull elder because it's brought up often in, in national elder conferences. Well, how do you handle a bull elder? That's probably the number one question people from small assemblies ask is they usually think they have every gift. And they don't recognize gift in anyone else. Mm -hmm. They want to be involved in every counseling session. They want to be involved in every decision. They want to make every, and and usually if, if they don't see it as a problem, it's not a problem. And those are really tough to work with. That's why the qualifications are so important. So important. All right, David, right? Here. You have a comment?
5: Just a, actually just a couple comments. Just take a minute here. I, I think it's really important. And I know you touched on this clay, but just to emphasize it is that in Romans 12, before Paul launches into his discussion of gift, before he approaches that, he says this, for I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I think that's critical. And I think it's no coincidence that he s- sets the table with that verse before discussing the the gifts. And then... Yeah. Go ahead. So I was just going to say one other point is, you know, when we look at the, the list of the gifts in 1 Corinthians, it talks about gifts that are given to individuals. And then when we look in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the gifted men being given to the, the assembly, Right. And yeah, so right. there, there's a process that, that's gone through there. And to quote Mr. Schofield, all of that is done providentially. It's not man's working in any of that.
0: Right. So just a couple... Well, and uh, and the truth of the matter is, is that every place you have gift-lifted, listed, there's a either a Previous passage or a follow-up passage that stresses the need for the lack of selfishness and the lack of understanding and the lack of knowing who we are. So in First in Corinthians 12, I think most of us realize the very next chapter in the context of First Corinthians 13 is really discussing how to handle yourself in the realm of gift. It's really about gift. We take it as a love chapter and we talk a lot about it, but in the context that it's offered, it's really offered as a, as a modifier concerning gift. And in Ephesians 4, it says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering for bearing one another in love. Once again, we're always reminded whenever gift is mentioned that there's, a, there's an attitude that we must be humble because it's something that's given to us we did not earn it. We did not. It's not. It's not because of who we are. It's all because the Holy Spirit did as He would, and and once again, it, it, this isn't a glass on gift. But in 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 Romans twelve, it's the Father who gives the gifts, and in First Corinthians twelve, it's the Holy Spirit who gives the gifts, and in in Ephesians four, it's the Son who gives the gifts. So the, all three members of the Trinity are all involved in giving of the gifts. They're all working together to give just the right gifts to each lo- to each believer. When you come to Ephesians 4, the idea there is that those are universal, not just particularly in one church. So it's not each church is given each of those gifts. It's that there are some people who are gifted in such a manner that they might not be in your church, but they were given to the church universal, and you can make use of them even if they don't go to your church, or you can make use of them even if they're not part of your church. Now, some and some circles of fellowship, I'll call them, have elevated the people with the gift of teaching. We sometimes mock other churches that say, well, they have a paid pastor or they have the position of pastor or they've, they've given, they've, they've given a person based upon gift and elevated position. But the truth of the matter is there are some circles of fellowship that have elevated those with the gift of teaching. And I've been in those buildings and there's a whole wall with all the gift, with all the, the circuit preachers that have been there to preach. And when they were there, there's a wall, for of them and, and you know, you can walk down that hallway and say, oh yeah, I remember when he came to our conference or I remember, and it's like it's like the wall of fame almost. And it's like these men are elevated. And then when they show up in an assembly and the elders are struggling, they go to that man for answers. Well, he might be a fine teacher that doesn't make him an elder and that doesn't make him someone who's gonna help in the local assembly. Now, if he's, in, if he's been by given the gift of pastor teacher, so that he can obviously have that gift, That's the, that we should recognize that. But not every man who can teach the word of God is given a special gift of the, as listed in Ephesians 4. All right. Um, let me go down to the last question then. Uh, why is it important not to use spiritual gifts as titles? And we're actually pretty good in the assembly of not doing this.
3: Because we're all saints and priests. Yeah. None of, none of us is better than the other.
0: Yeah. And shepherds never a term really given to elders. They're either, pres- they're either overseers or or elders. And while we're under shepherds to the great shepherd, we're not really called shepherds anywhere. And we're, we're told that that's not that's not a title. What it, that is, is the work that we're supposed to be doing, as Steve pointed out earlier. We're to be feeding and tending the flock of God. It's one thing to talk about the spirit being active and not quenching the spirit, but far too often especially in the realm of spiritual gifts we don't understand them it's not something that's very well taught and as a result we end up quenching the holy spirit and especially the gifts that he's given to certain individuals we don't understand them and therefore we totally reject them in their position because we don't understand where they're coming from and i and i know you have that experience at times um jeff And Steve might be able to relate something along those lines. And I think David could, too, if he wanted to. You're talking, David, but we can't hear you.
4: Okay. one of the things that I have found is we had an elder in our assembly, and he likes everything structured. So when you speak, uh, he gives you this thought that uh, visual aid, or having something on a screen, is going to help you learn better. Well, it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. <laughs> because generally a person, when you do speak, or preach, or teach, or whatever, you only get so much. You're only going to retain so much. And if there's something that hits me, I'll write it down. But if there's something that you know I've heard before, or whatever, it doesn't necessarily always hit me the same way, but one of his big pushes was he wanted everybody to teach like he taught, but, you know, we're different, and I kept telling, him, I said, brother, we're different, we we teach in different ways, Um, I tend to be more of an exhorter, and uh, he's just more methodical, Um, the other thing is, is I don't like to give away everything I'm going to (laughs) say, I like to hit him, you know. Uh, It was kind of funny, uh, Leonard Lindstedt from years gone by back in Kansas, Wichita, uh, he used to use a little humor, and then he'd hit him with the truth, right after he got him kind of lighthearted, and bang, you know, hit him with the truth of God's word. That was his way of preaching and teaching, Um, but, and then we have another brother in our assembly, another elder, and he's really an evangelist, so you know that when he gets up and speaks, you're going to get the gospel. So I don't know. I just, I don't think we should force everybody to be in one certain type of mold as far as a a teaching, preaching, whatever, or whatever other ministry might be.
0: And that, that goes back to the verses David read us. Okay. When we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to, we think everybody should be like us like we're the pinnacle, we're the example. Everybody, you have to preach like me, you have to teach like me, you have to think like me, you have to, you know, and if you don't, then you still got a lot of room to grow and that's not the way it is. Right, yeah. It's just not it. You know, I was thinking the gift of evangelism. You know, I have an elder who has a gift of evangelism. He goes, you know why, we need to be doing an outreach. We need to be doing an outreach over here. We need to be doing this outreach and the rest of the elders go, you yeah, I don't see it. Hmm or someone from the congregation who has a gift in that area comes to you and say I wish we were doing more outreach I wish we were visiting more in the hospitals I wish you know and and I know people in this in this that I'm looking at right now their faces have gone to elders with concerns and just been cooped or nobody ever gets back to you or they're not significant because they don't see it because if it's not a concern to them it's not a concern and and it's because they don't recognize gift in them so, in themselves or they think they have a market on all the gifts and a corner on all the gifts. Like, like the example Jeff used where he was three on every single gift. I mean, he, why would he ever need anybody else to come alongside him and help him be more like Christ? He already reached that. He's already reached perfection. Why does he need help? Well, I haven't reached Perfection. And I think it's important that we don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And we recognize we have a reach of perfection. And thank God he's give, given gifted men to teach us and gifted women to teach us how to be more like Christ and how foolish it is of us if we fail to recognize how they're more like Christ than we are and learn from them. Mm-hmm. Now you wound me up. Now I'm lecturing.
2: <laughs> Sorry. I feel like in every case like that, pride is the factor that comes in. So guarding against pride is one of the biggest things we need to do as
0: Christians and or leaders. And guard against choosing leaders who have a pride issue. Yes, amen. I I, I hope we've stressed that over and over and over again. Because if you have someone with a pride as a leader, the rest of the elders struggle, the church, the assembly struggles. It's tough. And it, and it, it's hard to replace someone as a huge pride issue without causing a real issue in the church. Hmm. Welcome back, Mr. Welsher. Even though it says Joel Cervantes on there, <laughs> and David Wright speaks from the picture, not from his, not from the um, video of him sitting there. So, you guys are confusing me here.
3: I'm on my granddaughter's iPad.
0: Rashon, they're on, they're on huh? are they are they gone or are they still here?
3: No they're here we're leaving uh, Saturday uh, night Saturday morning or Sunday morning I think we're gonna go out on oh. Sunday morning oh um, taking them back. Um, they're at vacation Bible school right now on the okay computer. and
0: Saturday morning we're supposed to have a men's meeting right? Did you mention that Matt?
2: Yeah, I had asked about that and I hadn't got an answer. At the last men's meeting, we said we were having one on the 11th. Um, we can postpone it, whatever people want to do.
0: Yeah, it's on my calendar, and I didn't hear anybody mention it, so I just don't want to set it aside on Saturday morning to do and then um, I, not I've have been it.
3: out it. I've been out of touch for a little bit under the weather. I apologize for that, gentlemen. That would fall on me for not bringing it up. Um, I will not be available for it. Sorry.
2: All right. All right. Can, we, so let's, postpone can it? we postpone it? When are you going to be back, Dave?
3: I am back the 25th or 26th of July.
0: Yeah, and my 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 rest of my summer's basically been canceled. All the camps, everything I was going to do has been canceled, so I'm not going anywhere, so I should be available almost any Saturday.
2: Why don't we move it? Why don't we move it to the 1st of uh, the 1st of August? Does that sound good?
3: That works for me. Thank you. Yeah.
2: I'm sure Matt Vanderhart's going to be still camping this weekend as well. So I had announced it a couple of times, but nobody had given me feedback on it. So no big deal.
3: Again, that's my fault. I I, I dropped the ball on that one, guys. I apologize. I oh. I, yeah, I dropped the ball. Sorry.
2: It's all good. <laughs> um, I guess kind of in wrapping it up. Uh, I sent everybody once again Jeff's uh spiritual gifts test. I had sent it out before, but you guys all have it in your inbox one more time. And I will try my hardest to get out the uh questions for
0: next week earlier than this week, so I apologize for that everybody.
1: Well, Danny and Clay have received it. Oh, he, he
0: he sent it to everybody. I got it. Okay. I'm on the list. Okay. Well, so thank you. Remember that works for me,
1: there's only four possible answers, zero, one, two, or three, and you should have some of each. Don't give a three to every one of them, like my friend that <laughs> a zero is good.
3: <laughs>